Welcome in. You're listening to The Scotsman. The Aggie women get their first Mountain West win of the season, while the Aggie men fall flat in Reno before returning to Logan. And a little bit of spectrum magic for the Utah State men's basketball team and a win over UNLV on Tuesday night. I'm Brian Priest. The man on my right is Mr. Nanny Tran. <laughs> I, I was thinking about doing, adding another Y in there, but... Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, Tran... I, I, to say, I to say. <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Um, welcome, Brian. I'm, uh, you know, big big stuff happening for Utah State this week. I'm all over the place. Like you just said, the women's basketball team with the, with their first in-conference win. That's, that's pretty big. But you were also up there in Logan uh, for UNLV, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Where do you, where do you want to start today? Let's... Let's start with the men's basketball men's team. Basketball, let's yeah. let it, let's well, circle there. back. Right. Well, but I want to circle back to this Nevada game because I'm I'm trying to figure out who this team is. You know, yeah, we we have we 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 see them step on the floor. They're they're one of the best shooting teams in the country. You know, consistently. Stephen Ashworth, we've got Taylor Funk, and then you've got other guys who can contribute from deep, like Max Shulga and Sean Bearstow and yeah. and. You know, you you go into Nevada. You're you're playing a good team, a, a very good Nevada team. And you know, second half, it's tied at sixty four. It's about seven seven and a half minutes left, and just get run, absolutely run out of the gym. Yeah. And I I don't know what happened. I and what I don't understand about this team is, in spite of how good of a shooting team they are. They manage to go through these cold stretches it's seemingly every single game where they're going three, four, five minutes without a field goal, sometimes without points when they're not able to get to the free throw line. And it's just weird to have such a strong offensive team with so many options that can go cold for so yeah. long, and do, they do it so consistently. They need to find other ways to score. Um, and they, they, we talked about this last week. Like They don't have – like we're talking about plan Bs or plan Cs, like – when their when their offense is executing, they don't they don't really have any other way to to try to score, and um, that's gonna be that's gonna hurt them. And, and this is Mountain West Conference that is eating itself a little bit. It's it's, it's, a, it's a good conference, but the problem is that there's not gonna be too many dominant teams. It looks like from the conference. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the Mountain West, and and this is a conference that if you look at the RPI. The Mountain West is rated the fourth best conference in the country. They're better than the Big East, better than the ACC, better than the the Pac-12. You know, Utah the, the fans, the WCC awesome. yeah. for BYU, Gonzaga, and those teams. the The Mountain West is rated as a better conference, top to bottom, than each of those. But when when I look at it, that's that's what it comes down to. Is exactly what you're talking about. Is you have to wonder as a Mountain West basketball fan if this this conference is just going to cannibalize itself. Yep. Right now, you've got Boise State at the top, five and one in conference. One of Utah State's losses came at in Boise. Boise. They're fifteen and four overall. They've won five straight. Spectacular. San Diego State four and one, thirteen and four overall. They're second in conference. It, the Aggies' other loss in the Mountain West was against Nevada. Mm-hmm. They're five and two, fifteen and five. We talked about New Mexico coming into uh, the, the the conference. Yeah. So I mean, on one hand, um, uh, you're going to have uh, Utah State or everybody in the Mountain West. It's going to be open. It's, it's going to be open come tournament time, uh, which is only you know a month and a half away. Um, but you know it is also going to hurt because you're not going to get multiple teams from Mount, Mount West. So, well, see, and I would, uh, I would a- challenge that a little bit. the The question for me is: Is the Mountain West going to get 
two or three teams, mm-hmm. or are they going to be able to get four teams? Interesting. How much are they going to eat each other alive? Utah State, we've seen them. We know that that's a team right. at their best that is capable of winning an NCAA tournament game. New Mexico, they're, they're a very top-heavy talent-wise athletic team. They don't have as much depth as Utah State does, but like their top three can, match up with anybody else in the conference. So the question is, can USU be consistent enough um, uh, in the next month and a half here, and we're seeing like we see them go up to Boise and just they got run out of there too. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, re- really they were not in that game at all. Um, uh, UNR that, that second half, uh, but then the, you know again last night you, know, you were there. Uh, really, a, a UNLV team that's that's tough. It's, it's a good team, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, uh, like um, uh, they they hit this big shot, to big shot after big shot um, in the stretch, which was nice. Well, and you bring up the word consistency and what. I see, uh, as I'm trying to nail this down, I'm looking through the numbers and you know, comparing Aggie losses, shooting percentages, execution and thing like that versus the, the games that the Aggies win. One thing that I keep coming back to, and I wonder if, if this is what could really put the Aggies over, or not put them over the top, but allow them to take that next step, is getting Rylan Jones back healthy. Yes. I mean, he, Rylan, after missing last night against UNLV, he's missed six games this year. We talk about Boise State. It was in the second half early when he went down with an injury. Uh, it was another concussion, yes. his second of the season. And so, you know, first of all, you're just, you're just worried about Rylan Jones and his long-term health. And basketball is secondary. Basketball doesn't matter when it comes to well, multiple concussions is, is, is a really scary um, health in, issue in a month right. of time maybe yes. less yeah I mean, these are these are like actual injuries to your brain you yep. know so i mean before like we used to call them mild concussion we used to be call them uh you know whatever but as we were getting studied, up. yeah we're studying more ct studying a lot more stuff like we're getting a lot more information that these brain injuries um have lasting effects and so um is there any update about like uh, with where Ryan Ryan's at in his recovery right now? So last night had a chance to ask Coach Ryan Odom about it, and really there there is not any right. update on so Ryan. Um, they're they're not even giving specifics on what the injury is. It's been reported, but on broadcast mm-hmm. as as a concussion, and that that's that's where he's at with it. But I haven't personally gotten that information, gotten that word from the athletics department. So I'm right. I'm saying that as right. a secondary reporting so, source so to if, begin if with. Is, um, if it is a concussion, um, uh, concussions are really – because, like, I mean, if they're not saying that he's close now, he's probably not close. So, well, last night talking to Coach Odom, he said that it, he he wouldn't give any time frame. Right. There, were, there were no dates mentioned. Rylan has not practiced since the, the game against Boise State where he was hurt. And – all that Coach Odom would say last night was, "Our concern is worrying about getting Ryland back healthy." Yeah, and I, so I mean, just hearing that and what you said there, and just I'm going to assume it's going to it's going to be a minute, if at all, if he comes back this year. So, um, if let's let's say it's a while, um, how do the Aggies um, uh, handle not having that second secondary ball handle? I mean, he was a starting point guard. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Nashville just come off the bench, and so that's throwing. I mean. That that was working really well. Like Ashworth was like one of the leading scorers off the bench um, in the nation. So um, how has that changed? Because like now we're stretching guys um, more minutes. Um, I don't like I don't even know who the secondary ball handler handler would be. Like who's 
who's playing backup right now for like how are they playing those non Stephen Ashworth minutes? You well, know? right now you've got RJ Idlerock. That's right. That's right. Running the backup point guard position. He's a guy who started some games last year. He's he's a capable player, but he's not the the calming presence, the experienced guy that Rylan Jones is. And you you mentioned the two things where I think it makes a really big difference not having Rylan Jones on the floor, and it's. One, having that secondary ball handler, and not just secondary ball handler, having somebody to give Stephen Ashworth a, a rest to get him off of the ball. Right. Stephen Ashworth is the best shooter on this basketball team, possibly the best shooter in the conference, one of the best in the country. Right. And so if you're Utah State, you are a better basketball team when he's catching and shooting rather than having the ball in his hand. I mean... Ashworth finishes last night against UNLV with nine assists on the night. He's a great distributor. He's very good at the point guard position. But you're a better team if the ball is not in his hands all night long. He had that deep three with, what, a couple minutes left? Mm -hmm. Came off the screen. Um, I remember I could hear Scotty G's voice like, "Ah, Ashworth's wide open straight away. You know, there's a a big three down the stretch there. Uh, Yeah, like you want want Ashworth off the ball, um, uh, running off screens. I'm a J.C. Carroll-like. I'm, uh, you know, finding ways to um, uh, uh, he's, I mean, that's just, that's just his game, right? And so, yep. yeah, it'd be nice to get that back, but it could be a minute. It could be a minute. So. And the, the second thing also directly relates to Stephen Ashworth and that point guard position is without Ryland Jones, you are forcing Stephen Ashworth into the starting lineup, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but what it does is it takes this Utah State bench that with Ashworth, with Dan Akin, and with Z Hamoda was one of the highest scoring benches in the country, right. and now this is a team that's scoring in single figures off of the bench. Um, last night, let me see if I can find my box score here. So last night off the bench, U.S. score ends up, USU ends up scoring just five points against Nevada. I think they scored nine points off the bench. Yeah. Dan Akin is the the primary contributor for this team off of the bench these days. And the the last two games, both against Nevada and last night against UNLV, you see teams realize that you know we talk about a lack of a plan B if the three point shot's not falling. It's really difficult right. for this this offense, and defenses are going after Dan Akin. Every time he touches in the post, it was an immediate double team from UNLV all night long. And Dan, for all of the things that he does well on a basketball court, reading and reacting and passing out of a double team is not something that is a strength of his. And so you just it's it's I don't want to say it's easy. But defenses with the right approach can get Utah State out of their game plan and force them into a lot of misses, and it's it's a struggle. The Aggies are winning right now. I, I, right. Let's let's not act like this is a team that's <laughs> right. not. They're fifteen and four. Right. They're they're a very good basketball team. The sky is not falling. We're but not being chicken little crack, right there now. Cracks in the foundation. There's cracks in the foundation exactly, right. and these are some things that need to get solved without Ryland Jones. The the ceiling of this basketball team is severely limited. How many minutes did Idle Rock play last night? Um, RJ Idle Rock last night finished with. I want to make sure this is. Oh, see, it's, I already did this wrong. I gave you the bench points for the first half. Oh, the, the first <laughs> half bench points. Okay, all right. But they scored thirteen points off the bench okay, last well, night. Doesn't this. matter. Is that, is, uh, that's, that's not, it's not that, good. No, they were averaging over 30 points a right. game off the bench I mean, when I mean, Stephen Ashworth right, I mean, is coming Steve off Steve Ashworth with 17 points is, is a big part. Yeah. So. But even then, without 17, you know, 
You're hoping to get you know 15, 16, you know, closer to 20. You would hope, yeah. right? Uh, you know, RJ Idlerock, to answer your question, played 16 and a half minutes last night. He was he was okay. He ends up with a with a minus fifteen, which obviously doesn't look very good at all on the box score. When you watch the game, I don't think he played that poorly. He he finishes with let's see, Idle Rock scores four points last night. He's not a guy that scores a lot, but he he's just. Yeah. He's he's a spot filler, is what gotta, RJ Idlerock. I'm gotta, not gotta I'm get, not trying to dismiss yeah. him, but got to get Ashworth some um, uh, some rest in there, and I'm uh, you know I mean that's the thing is like shooting his, his legs right. So late game, I'm, uh, especially in, in oh the the thin air of yeah, Utah, yeah, the, like, the elevation, uh, elevation. Thank you, God, I, I got you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> elevation, like I remember when I was in college, like I had a professor saying, you know, Utah State should be able to run most teams off the floor in Logan because like teams are coming in, like they're not trained like NBA players are, they come in and like maybe the first half they're okay, but by the second half they should be sucking wind. And But uh, it goes both ways. Like the, these Utah athletes um, uh, who are trained in this atmosphere, um, uh, but, you know, Ashworth needs to rest enough to keep the legs under him to be able to shoot at a high level later in the game. Well, his Stephen Ashworth's wind, his lung capacity, isn't something that, that gives me cause for concern, but him wearing down, uh, yes. Ashworth is not a big guy. He's not no. somebody that you look at, and he looks like he lives in the weight room and can take a beating right. on a college basketball floor. You watched that UNLV game last night. Stephen Ashworth was the smallest guy on the floor every minute of the game that, that he was out there. And at times, he was being defended by dude 6'2", 6'3", probably 200 pounds. Yep. And it's it's really difficult. And that, that pounding ha- takes its toll over the course of a season. And you wonder how long, you know, if, if you're Ryan Odom, how long can you keep depending on Stephen Ashworth to play? Last night, he only sat for a minute 29. Yeah. Of that game, how how long can you do that? Yeah, that's and that's tiring. We're already without Ryland Jones, and Ashworth is a guy who has dealt with injuries in the past as well. He's shown himself to be a fast healer, but if you lose Stephen Ashworth, the season's down the yeah. toilet right now. I mean, like, so they they get a good win against UNLV at home in the Spectrum, Spectrum Magic, great win. And then, um, uh, so what's next for the, for these Aggies? Uh, San Jose State comes in. They stay home. San Jose State's going to be Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. I really um, hope that, they, that that should be a, not a get right game, but um, a, a game that they as much of a get right game as you have in the Mountain right. West. Yes, so uh, so hopefully that's a, that's one that um, they can they can pull pull a win out of there. And well, I mean, like you you talked about you were you were up there, you were visiting the Spectrum, and you said this is your second game, but this one was much different than the first game because the students are back and and the atmospheres. Tell me about the atmosphere last night. So, I, last story before we move on, but I, I was sitting at the sitting courtside at the scorers table, and I ended up next to Doug Hoffman, the Aggies uh, football yeah. SID, and so we were chatting a little bit throughout the game, and the uh, the last play, the inbound pass goes to Sean Barstow, and Barstow hits the the free throw line jumper to give Utah State the four point lead, and they end up winning seventy five seventy one. But that environment, the crowd in the spectrum with it was 10, 12 seconds on the clock, I think it was, and Barstow hitting that jumper. Not, I mean, I grew up in Logan. We've talked about that, given our background of Utah State and why why we're doing this podcast. But I've I've seen easily 100 games in the spectrum over the course of my life. And that moment when Sean Barstow hit that jumper, that was 
the loudest I have ever heard the Spectre. Right. I mean, and maybe that had something to do with the fact that I'm sitting courtside. All the sound is filtering <laughs> down to me rather than where I, I used to sit previously as a I fan. Think, uh... Somebody just uh, posted a, a one of those like loudest stadiums in you know every state or whatever Utah State was. was mm-hmm. like, it's not it's not as big as the Huntsman. It's not as big as uh, Marriott. I got a, a sound level warning on my watch last yeah. night in the Spectrum. Oh, there you go. Hey, it's so, too loud like, in there. Like Utah State, like not only are they loud, they're coordinated as fans. Um, so that makes a big difference, like their yeah. coordination. Like I went to BYU and Gonzaga um, this last week, and they're loud. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're good. That the, the, BYU has a good crowd. Um, uh, but I'm like, it's, it's not Spectrum, guys. Like, like, you guys are good, but the Spectrum is it's a, it's just a different level, a different stadium environment. Like, this is how you get players to come to Utah State. And, like, you show them, like, hey, you see this crowd here? Like, when your team is good, my yeah, this whatever you see here, this, yeah. ma- this is what they call magic. I should have had you, had you buy me a Spectrum Magic t-shirt that are selling up there. You should have. Well, <laughs> come on. You, you dropped the ball on that one. But, no, it, it was interesting. As he hits that shot, the crowd goes absolutely wild. And I, I look over at Doug and I say, you know, Doug, in this moment, and I, little aside, you know, as sports media, we're not going to the no. games to cheer. We're not fans. We're, even if I like the team, even right. if it's my childhood team, mm-hmm. I'm not there to cheer. But that the Spectrum crowd, the yeah. way that building went nuts last night, I couldn't help but just sit there courtside and smile. It yeah. wasn't because the Aggies won. Right. It was because of that environment right. and like just the the opportunity to sit to sit there courtside. I like I could have touched the mid court stripe last <laughs> night. What what an experience! Right. And and then I, I'm thinking to myself, they're paying me to do this. I, it's, a, it's an infectious. It's life, infectious. Life's yep. incredible, man. Like and the low. spectrum. Yeah, when you're a cameraman, you're right, right there on the floor, like. I used to sit like right in front of the student section, and yeah, like I mean, it's it's, it's fun. And um, I even asked the guys who went to Utah State Weber State a month ago, and I was like, I, I was a little worried. I'm like, okay, it's the beginning of the year; it's not really. And the guys who went there, like, oh yeah, it was great, great environment. So um, that's good. So um, uh, hopefully, well, now the women's team, right, getting their first first win. Let's see if they can start yeah. um, uh, building on that. Yeah, Aggie women pick up their first Mountain West win of the season, 68-58 at Fresno State. So not just a Mountain West win, but a win on the road. Spectacular. Looking at the box score here for this Aggie team, four players scoring double figures. Maria Cavallo ends up with 16. Uh, Tamia Robinson, Primacellas both score 15. But the, the thing that really stood out to me is the Aggie defensive effort. Fresno State made just 33% of their shots. They were 4 of 25 from the three-point line, 16% on the night. Really hard to win a basketball bricks. game shooting that poorly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the house of those bricks. Um, yeah, you try to say that. That's the, Again, we're talking about you know just small wins. Like, I mean, we we don't think the Utah State women's uh, team is going to really make a lot of noise in the in the tournament this year, but, like, it's a first-year coach. Yep. Um, uh, you know, you're really trying to build and, like, show that, hey, you know, we can – this is a good. You, you can build off this win, get a couple more, and then next year, you know, because again, they're bringing in grad transfers right now. I mean, a lot of there's going to be a lot of turnover next year. It's really like, what can you, what can you build this year that can carry over next year that are not players? Yes. So yeah, you're you're taking these positive moments, you're holding on to these things, you're remembering it, and that's what you're building the program right. off of. So. Because overall, this is it's just a difficult season and not I a lot. That win. I wonder what that like that win was like. Wouldn't for them because like they they know like they've had a lot of tough losses. 
So to get their first win, a road win in conference, I mean, I wonder how that felt for them. Yeah, you would imagine that's a pretty exciting yeah. moment for for not just the the players, but for Coach Ard getting that first yeah. conference win of, of her career. Uh, the Aggie women back in action tomorrow night as we're recording here on Wednesday, January 18th. The Aggies are going to be playing Air Force. Thursday. So the Falcons will come into the spectrum Thursday night, 6 p.m. And then uh, it's a three-game week for the Aggie women. They're going to play oh. Saturday night as well, traveling down to San Jose State. The men hosting yeah, San so Jose like, State. You know, I, I, I do kind of like it's always like, all right, so the men play San Jose State, the women play San Jose State, but they play the opposite um, uh which you think it was safe travel if they just all played in one bus or one tra- you know one plane or whatever, right? Like you'd think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I said, uh, it's not my money. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got Utah State with three with three games. Uh, women's three games this week. Got the men with two games. Uh, that, that, and again, you know, both coming off wins. So uh, win streaks. Uh, congratulations to uh, Utah gymnastics. Real quick, um, uh, they came in third of the best of West. Yes. Um, I think um, uh, Sophie. Oh, I, I just had it. Um, Sophie Sullivan. I'm uh, a nine nine on um, uh, on uh, the beam. I think. Um, so really, I mean, it got overshadowed because Sullivan uh, ended up being named the MRGC gymnast of the think, uh, or was that like Sophie? beam. Yeah, it was Sophie. Yeah, Sophie gymnast Sullivan. of the yep. week, right? Sophie Sullivan was uh, was I'm pretty sure named that. So let me just confirm. I, I'm going a, to be writing a story about it. I want to make sure I get a, this she, right. She got a nine nine on beam, so yeah. I'm, uh, I'm 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 guaranteed she was. Yeah, the the uh, mountain rim uh, beam specialist of the week. Yep. So yeah, um, I came in third. I mean, them and and the BYU team obviously having a lot of turnover uh, from last year. So um, uh, that you know, pretty pretty good SEU, uh, still a very solid team, and of course the Red Rock. I mean, like this how like she got a nine nine. I mean, five Red Rocks got nine nines or higher, so that's a pretty good score. Um, uh, regardless, so uh, big week, big big week for the gymnastics team. They're taking Boise on this week. Uh, no, the gymnastics heads down to Cedar City. They're so, gonna they're gonna face Southern Utah, yeah. just a two team meet. Time to see, time yeah. to see the the, uh, the Thunderbirds again. So. Yep. Yeah, so that'll be Friday, January twentieth at Devin, seven p.m. Devin Tompkins out of the playoffs now, so <laughs> I think they are, that's our. That might be our last uh, local that we have to worry about. Probably. <laughs> uh, a couple other things going on in Aggie athletics this week. Excuse me, had a had a moment there. <laughs> um, you know, as, as the spring yeah. kind of ticks along, yeah, you just yeah. it seems like every week you get more and more sports yeah. going. So the Utah State indoor track and field team started last week in uh, the BYU Invitational, mm-hmm. and they will continue their season at the Nebraska Invitational this weekend, Saturday, January 21st. So um, if you're a, a track and field aficionado, <laughs> yes. the USU indoor team's getting that season going. And then Utah State men's tennis, they're going to be in Oregon for a couple of matches. They take on the Oregon Ducks on January 20th, and then on Sunday, January 22nd, they'll be in Portland Taking on the University of Portland, maybe it's Portland University. I don't know. See, a, I wish I was better. See, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good to travel and you know go do Oregon and Portland at the same time. Just saying, money wise, that makes it's, sense. <laughs> it's really smart. And uh, one more thing, this is going to take a little bit of reading for me, but I wanted to make sure and mention Utah State announced they're they're going to have their twentieth Hall of Fame. Um, class inducted. Uh, it'll be Saturday, April fifteenth, and this year it's it's so they're doing it this year in conjunction with the fiftieth anniversary of Title Nine. So for those who aren't familiar, Title Nine is, is basically 
the the ruling that unlocked educational and athletic opportunities for women in college yes. sports and, and really opened the door for college athletics to go you know, full bore into in women's sports. So it, it's been a great thing, but this this 20th class is going to include seven Aggies uh, that have participated in programs all, all over the map for this Utah State team. So let's go ahead and get through this. Uh, Tana Call Davis, one of the most accomplished gymnasts in school history. We've got Chantel Flannery, a two-time WAC Offensive Player of the Year in soccer. Krista Larson Duplessis, an All-American track and field athlete. Hey, back to the track and yeah, field. Track and hey. Field. Uh, Jerry McGann, one of the best all-around women's basketball players, also the first 1,000-point scorer in school history. Danae Molman Pruden, a three-time first-team all-conference volleyball player. Christine Thompson. uh, Thompson was one of just seven softball All-Americans in Utah State history. Uh, Marilyn Weiss served as Utah State's Director of Women's Athletics for six years from 1975 to 1981 with so, the Aggies winning three national championships under under her year. term. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, it's, I think it's special. I, the, the Title IX stuff is something that I take a lot of interest in. Yeah. You know, somebody who's been trying to break into sports media, one way that, that I have tried to do that is by – Following and, and spreading the word of women's sports, being down here in Salt Lake, I've spent right. a lot of time with the University of Utah women's softball team, the Utah women's basketball team, and it's it's just exciting, and it, I love love that Title IX came into play and made these things possible for these women because I, I think back to you know, the, the early 90s with like Pat Summit and Tennessee basketball, and it was it was a completely different game back then, and the way women's basketball has has evolved, yes. women's sports in general right. have evolved, now and we're seeing a lot more mainstream. Really get a right. national spotlight. Yes. You, you get you know the women's uh, national soccer team here yeah, in the well, U.S. Yeah. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but like it's, it's good to see strides. It's good to see them on on. Uh, uh, the national stage. Yeah, without um, a doubt. Who, where can they find you on the social media, blog, or Twitter sphere? Yeah, that's, um, uh, right now my only Twitter is at WhoTransSuperman. That's H-U-U-T-R-A-N Superman. Um, uh, you a little rhyming there to help people out. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brian? Where, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at BPriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. Make sure and follow at KSL Sports. Right. KSLSports.com for all of your Utah sporting needs because when, we're number one. Number one. Oh. When, when, when are you heading back to Spectrum Magic? What do you think? Um, Right now, it looks like the, the next time I'm going to be headed up to the Spectrum will be probably February 18th, the J.C. Carroll Retirement I'm, Ceremony. Fingers crossed. Actually, that reminds me, uh, talking about Utah State Gymnastics, go back, find our, our uh, interview with uh, Utah Kristen State White. Gymnastics head coach Kristen White and then a little bit of tease for the future. We are working on setting up an interview time with Aggie men's basketball great J.C. Carroll. J.C. Carol! Oh, man, yes. that's going to be that's a fun one. one. Yep. I'm excited to talk so. to J.C. So, thank you for listening to The Scotsman. Check out everything kslsports.com related. He's Hootran. I'm Brian Priest. Have a great week.